Alex. Guckste, hörste, klickste. Mittwoch, 20 Uhr. Hallo und herzlich willkommen zu Burlesque on Air, der weltweit ersten Burlesque-Radiosendung mit den Burlesque-Stars Lada Redstar und Lily Tiger. Heute ist die erste Folge der neuen Season und unser Thema ist Big Girls. Und nun ein herzliches Willkommen an Lada Redstar und Lily Tiger. Hello Suzanne, hello Lily Tiger, this is Lada Redstar on Air and we are back with the first episode of the second season of Burlesque on Air and we want to start in a big way, talking about big girls with big talents and big assets. We can't wait to uh, present you this episode, we have amazing uh, guests, we have Big Fanny Annie, a legend from the 50s, a burlesque legend of the 50s that made her gimmick about being a big, big girl. We have in this episode as well uh, the burlesque superstar Dirty Martini that was in a very famous movie, Tournée, that won Cannes, she was photographed by Karl Lagerfeld felt she made uh, she became a star with her big big body and big personality and big talent so we cannot wait and for our sex part of the episode we're gonna have a very very kinky big girl one meter and 84 of sexiness she is an escort she has many stories to tell and uh, many many men come to look for her because of her big big size so we're gonna explore this topic today uh, hello Hello again, Suzanne, and hello, Lily Tiger. <laughs> well, hello, Lada, Red Star. Hello, Suzanne. I'm Lily Tiger. I'm very excited to be here. This is going to be big, big, big. <laughs> and I can't wait to to talk to all our all our great guests. And I, um, yeah, I'm really, really excited for this one today. Yep, so me I too. So I hope you're all getting big ears and um, yes. For the occasion, <laughs> our listeners cannot see this on video, but I put my big girls out. I have a huge décolleté mm -hmm. and already we have experienced on the street the power of big on men, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they couldn't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> so go big, yay. So it was quite a big discussion about this episode. We've been thinking about making this episode for a long time and it's such a touchy subject that we weren't really sure how would people um, um, approach it, how would people, would someone get offended, which words should we use, should we call them big girls, should we call them fat girls, should we call them tall girls, should we, what, how should it be and it's such a touchy subject that we don't even know exactly how to talk about it but uh, I don't know when it when did it became this way that being a bit a larger girl it's such a huge problem why does society push us to be this like average body with this exactly same fake boobs with the shaved pussy with the uh, this and this the body that always has to look at the same like when did variety became something that it's considered as something that it has to be taken away instead of something that it's considered interesting and you know something that you should be attracted about yeah plus also i think those female curves are just something that's very female and very can be very sexy and erotic and so where where does this come from that we don't want to see them anymore is it just just some people and they and they don't want to speak up or is it um 
Yeah, who, how, did, how did it become like, like this? Exactly, and do, the big question is, do men really care? Do men really care about the cellulite? Do men care about the fat so much as us women we think? Well, what I know is that some guys who really like, who are really into big girls, they don't easily admit it. So they keep quiet when everybody else is talking about the thin blonde girl that's passing by. They don't say anything. And then, um, yeah, but then they admit to somebody else maybe to a bigger woman maybe to a very very close friend then they admit that they really like big huge boobs and yeah. big fat asses <laughs> <laughs> well I have to say as well that recently I had sex with a very very big boy and oh my it was like Yeah, it was like super enjoyable actually mm -hmm. because I was like on him and it was so soft and wobbly and nice and I was like feeling like I was in a boat, in a sex boat <laughs> and just like riding it. I actually enjoyed it. I totally know what you mean. I've had this before too and I, I have to say I feel very small and fragile and and little and um, protected. Yeah. So, so maybe this is part part of why some guys really enjoy it and really like it. Exactly. And as well, uh, when I went through my lesbo phase when I was a teenager. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's still not over, Suzanne, oh, by the way. So I still have chances. Yeah? Yes. <laughs> you have to get bigger, though. <laughs> so when I went through my like lesbo phase and stuff, I was really into big girls. I was so attracted by big girls. I was finding them just so beautiful in their softness. And most of all, I was finding so attractive the big girls that were self-confident, this beautiful self-confidence that they have in them. It was so much more than, you know, anything else. And I was so horny and so attracted. And oh my God, I couldn't even control it. So I had my big girl phase, actually, my sexual big girl phase. And I understand. <laughs> See, and my, my ex-girlfriend, she was a lot taller than I was. So I could be the little one. Yeah. <laughs> go <laughs> <laughs> so talking about self-confidence and big girls i guess that both of us because we are both of us uh, uh burlesque teachers we give workshops and we meet many many women that are not self-confident in their body and uh, that are feeling fat so what is usually the advice that i give is that you just have to yeah exactly this having this self-confidence you just don't give a fuck about how you look i think that's important you know just not to care too much about it and have this like légèreté d'esprit this like lightness of the spirit you know and um i think that um people see you the way that you see yourself in the mirror and if you are not self-confident if you uh, feel like look like uh, I'm, I feel fat people are gonna see it right away and if you just present yourself as this strong person people are not even gonna see that like they're gonna see the other parts of your personality that are much more important than just the shape of your body yeah I think if you back away because you think you think it too fat too big too imperfect then you focus on that and then everybody else focuses on that as well if you if you have a personality I Uh, a shine, a glow, fun, fun about uh, what you're doing and, and the way you're moving your body. Uh, if all that comes first, then nobody's going to look how, for how big your ass is. Or if there's something a little bit wrong with any bit of the body, it doesn't have to be big or fat. You know, any flaws can be totally, uh, can totally vanish when you, when you have this magic glow over them, but you just feel right and have fun. 
Exactly. But as well, who said it's a flaw? Like, for example, recently I had an affair. I mean, I am still having it now <laughs> with my neighbor that we all heard that story already. But anyway, he's much younger than me and he's hanging out with these like hot rock and roll chicks and stuff. And even me, I had this like paranoia about being too big, you know, because he's used to these like thin 23 years old kids, uh, girls, <laughs> kids, kids, yeah, kids, <laughs> old auntie Lada. So I had this paranoia and he came to me and said oh my god I love your body because you're a woman you know so all these like problems that I had in my head they actually weren't existing at all and I cannot believe that a, a, a woman like me that has a normal body actually in today's society I have to feel like oh maybe I'm a little bit too much that's you know? what I'm what I'm uh, saying it's so feminine and what is it maybe people are afraid of women you know if it's too much woman mm. maybe they're just afraid it's easier to handle a girl than a woman right exactly mm. you have to be double of a man to handle <laughs> a, much a true bigger. woman <laughs> yeah <laughs> And here we are with the first interview of this episode. We are so excited about having the biggest superstar of uh, nowadays burlesque on air with us, Dirty Martini. I don't even know where to start uh, telling about your biography, what you did in life. You're such a superstar. I mean, Dirty Martini, she was photographed by Karl Lagerfeld and so, so many more. She was into award-winning, can-winning uh, movies. Movies. Uh, I, I, there was a movie made just about her called Dirty Martini and the New Burlesque. I mean, I don't even know where to start. It will take the, the full episode just to talk about <laughs> your career, Dirty. So welcome on Burlesque on Air. We are so happy to have you here. Hi out there in Germany. <laughs> you have and the internet. Yes! <laughs> you have so many fans here. Actually, both of us hosts of the radio show, uh, we were just talking about it in the beginning of our career when we were little burlesque babies. You were our idol. Yes, <laughs> totally. Oh, that's very sweet because you've grown up to be such a beautiful flower. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So talking about that. What is your story? How did you grow up in being a beautiful flower like you are today? <laughs> Tell us. Well, you know, like many of us in burlesque, I started in uh, contemporary dance and in ballet. And when I was a child, I wanted to be a ballet dancer very, very badly. You know, you can imagine little <laughs> baby dirty martini sitting in front of the television watching the Nutcracker at <laughs> <laughs> Christmas time. <laughs> And just dreaming of being able to be as in control of their body and light and beautiful and glamorous as those ballerinas were mm -hmm. that I watched on the TV. Uh -huh. And so I would fly around the room and dance and I would get into my arabesque and imitate them as best as I could. And my mother noticed that, you know, probably I should be in dance classes in order to focus my energy and to um, <laughs> not really to make it a career, but just to kind of get the energy out there and also to um, give my body a discipline. And my mother always wanted to be a dancer. So that was excellent for her to see me be able to do the things that she wasn't allowed to do when she was young. <laughs> Good. 
So you were telling about uh, that you wanted to be glamorous. I think in every woman's life, there is this moment when we actually get so conscious about our sexuality and about the expression of it. So when do you think was that moment in your life when you realize I am glamorous, I am a super sexy, powerful woman? When did, when, yeah, when, when did you <laughs> well like, I don't know about you and like when did you leave your, your insecurities behind there, but sometimes you know as a woman you're it's such a process to become yourself exactly and I'm not sure that anybody ever evolves completely <laughs> but I think just being aware of all of the um pressures in the world outside you and how they really affect you internally is the beginning catalyst to become the best woman you can be and the sexiest woman you can be. And really, you know, I, I suppose that any woman who's dealt with any of these issues has to really look at their self-confidence and their, uh, their being in all of their life in order to be the most wonderful sexual being they can. Because, boy, does it take some work. <laughs> oh, we know that. <laughs> yeah, we were exactly talking about that, about self-confidence uh, earlier in the show. So you're just confirming what uh, we were saying to our audience members as well. And uh, do you remember? Do you, think, mm? do you think that you ever get there? Do you ever arrive to be the most self-confident, beautiful woman you ever are? <laughs> I actually had a different... it all a big show? <laughs> I actually had a different method. I wanted to get there in being self-confident. And then I realized, you know what? I don't actually need confidence. I just need to not give a fuck. I don't give... <laughs> it's true, right? Like, it is. And it is. at the moment when I was... When I got... When I get to be able to not give a fuck about if I have cellulite, if I'm like this, if I'm like that, how people see me, how do I think that I am, how do I see myself in the mirror? Everything became so easy. And I didn't exactly become self-confident because I don't really care about it. I have my flaws, but I don't care about them. People mm. stopped seeing them in me. People saw me as this beautiful creature. And, you know, I think it's only about that, about not giving a fuck. And when people see a little bit of insecurities in you, they're going to go there and touch them, you know, like a little tick, 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 tick. And if they don't see them, they're not going to be able to find the little insecurities in you and try to hurt you. So I think that's the secret. I never got really self-confident. I just, at one point in my life, around 29, 30 years old, I just stopped giving a fuck about it and it made my life so easier. And yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And I think that the people that are the ones that are apt to criticize or more likely to find those faults in another woman or in another person are the ones that are much harder on themselves, on themselves than they should be exactly. and much less self-confident. So in, in a way, it's a bullying tactic when other people point out your flaws. Exactly, exactly. So my favorite thing to do is um, gently call people out on that So because it's so easy on the Internet these days to be able to uh, point out other people's flaws and make people feel bad about themselves in order to make you feel better. So what I do is I just say, well, that's not very nice. And I let them know that I'm there and that they're called. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah, and it's very interesting because I've had some amazing interviews with some people from um, the International New York Times and, you know, different publications, you know, very prestigious publications. And always because the uh, subject is about burlesque and 
generally when it's a woman writer, they have real problems with it, of with yeah. making mm-hmm. with making it something worthwhile for their readers to um, have as an intellectual pursuit. They they really make it um, they try to make it as light as possible for their readers mm-hmm. yeah. because they can't handle it themselves exactly, when they, they see it. Yeah. It's it's very interesting. Mm, yeah. I've had two really important women writers uh, write stories about burlesque and after and I've read their other work and it's so good and so detailed and shows a history of their subjects and all this but when it comes to burlesque they're like oh yeah it's like a high school musical mm. yeah and that's as deep as they go into the uh, research of it so yeah. I think that there's something that we've hit on in this world that's so um, it really is uh, hard for people yeah to accept And um, we were as well talking, do you think that uh, ah, these sort of comments and little things are coming more from the male side or actually are women the worst critiques of, you know? I find that unfortunately women are the harshest critics. I think when men criticize women, it's because they don't know or they don't, they're, it's from men, it's more about um, their desires. They don't give a shit about what women care about or what they feel in the most part i mean to generalize of course there are a lot of evolved men in the world but in general i feel like men are so um used to getting what they want and not even realizing it so they're more apt to just not really notice when they criticize a woman yeah and so but women are very um in tune and women are have to second guess themselves all the time in society so I find that women are much harsher on other women but on the flip side women are much easier to get things done with women are great organizers and work together so well so that's the funny flip side that once women trust each other then they can get so much done. So can you imagine what we could all get done together? <laughs> yeah, that's a wonderful image, actually. <laughs> so as many as many women criticize body shapes and stuff, there are as many women who loves to see a variety of shapes uh, on stage, on the burlesque stages. Uh, one of our listeners, she's a burlesque performer from, uh, from France, Karine Boom Boom. She just wrote us on the net. She commented our post today and saying, love, 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 dirty, curves are beautiful. We need to see all different body shapes on stage to be self-confident as much as them and to identify in them. To see these performers be well in their mind and body and uh, that makes us happy and that makes us enjoy ourselves and be confident too. So actually it's it's sort of a <laughs> um, something very helpful for the women in the audience to see bigger women being so self-confident, not only bigger but just many different shapes. Yeah, well, I've definitely noticed that from the very beginning of my career. And most recently, I realized that I'm approaching my 20th year in burlesque. Oh, big mama! (laughs) I was nearly nine years old when I started. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) But nearly. Having so many, having seen so many trends grow up in burlesque and having seen the beginnings of burlesque, 
I notice also the audience and uh, what people respond to mostly. And so I think the thing that really keeps me going in this form, aside from seeing awesome shows like Lada's, um, and also the Burlesque Festival last night when I go to see shows that really inspire me, the other thing that keeps me going is just knowing that it's important for women to see different kinds of people on the stage. And not even just on the stage, but like, putting themselves out there in the world, you know, and putting themselves out to be criticized, which can be really difficult for for anyone, but particularly for a woman that doesn't meet the um, current standards of beauty mm-hmm. in every facet, age and weight and, you know, whatever it is, yeah. ethnicity. <laughs> yeah. And I think... So, yeah, it's very interesting to me to um, get my impetus to perform again from my audience because I know that out there, even if one person on a hard night sees me and and gets something out of it, that that is really important. Yeah, and as well, I think that uh, at the end of the day, what only matters is the power of the performer on stage because I remember exactly the moment when I saw uh, the the first time a video on YouTube of you and I remember exactly that I didn't even like notice the fact uh, what your body shape was I just noticed the fact that you were an amazing performer and I think that it completely like shadows everything else and it doesn't matter like at all it really doesn't and we shouldn't even be having this discussion we shouldn't even have an episode about big girls it's not like even needed you know but it feels Mm. like unfortunately it still is and there's still like this voice that needs to be heard and we still need to scream it out that it doesn't matter fuck (laughs) you've been voted number one burlesque performer in the world for four consecutive years how did that feel (laughs) it was pretty amazing it's actually shocking every single time (laughs) (laughs) to many many more years to know that people and i think what that's really about is the um they can see the personality even behind the performance you know that that it seems like somebody that inspires other people and that that's what i intend to do and that's what people see in me as well yeah so it's so much more i think than just being a less performer or, or you know a glamour queen or any of that stuff I think that um, people sense that I'm interested in seeing other people perform and other people take up the mantle of burlesque and keeping it alive exactly. for the next generation yes and many many more and uh, what do you think was the how, when did you feel that it was the highlight of your career really the moment when you like looked in the sky with the tears in your eyes and you said like I made it like I almost made it I'm there <laughs> <laughs> well it's so funny because you know when I was performing on uh, English TV with Paula Grady and with uh, Immodesty Blaze who yeah. brought me over to do it um, I was standing in the wings with Julie Atlas Muse and we were about to be Uh, fake rushed onto the stage by police vans and carted off. (laughs) It was a fake raid on um, kind of daytime talk television on um, uh, British TV. And it made me laugh so hard because Julie turned to me and she said, is this as famous as we're ever going to (laughs) get? And I 
it just kind of feels like that all the time, you know. <laughs> when we were uh, working with Mathieu Almaric on the movie Tournée, mm. you know, I often looked at myself and I said, well, is this it? <laughs> is this my swan song? <laughs> and so the- hopefully there will always be moments like that. <laughs> yeah. And also talking about little successes and things like this, And talking again about a little bit, you know, back si- a big size woman and stuff. Has there ever been like a super sweet revenge? Like someone who has been so nasty to you and then you proved him wrong? Him or her? <laughs> Do you remember well, any so moments? It's so funny because, I, you know, I'm so lucky to be in a world full of people who are championing, championing women and championing uh you know, burlesque and self-acceptance and all of this. So I'm lucky that it's very rare that there are people who are hating the idea that anyone should be seen (laughs) if they don't look perfect (laughs) in their eyes. But, you know, definitely I, I would say that there have been a few times where, you know, someone who's outside of this burlesque world will see a photo of me and, make a comment about my age or my size and uh it's just very funny because immediately they get attacked by all the people that yeah. are my supporters <laughs> and they and they're not ready for it they don't realize that you know there's that people aren't going to be like yeah she's a fat bitch no. <laughs> <laughs> they think that everybody's going to be like oh yeah <laughs> support right. them but then when they come back like t- you know tens of dozens of people are back, you know getting back at them and say dirty's beautiful ah. you need to adjust your point of view the dirty <laughs> army protecting you it's very funny i love the dirty army <laughs> <laughs> and then good. everybody writing to me as if i care saying you know don't worry about her she's just narrow minded <laughs> as if i've never heard it before <laughs> Um uh so uh, talking about this um so you took picture I mean Karl Lagerfeld took pictures of you and we all know that he made some really really naughty and nasty comments about big girls before yes. that so how did you handle the situation when you saw it did you just want to f- slap him in his face and just tell him <laughs> you are fucking wrong you idiot or wh- how did that go Well, you know, it's so funny. And like, I only heard his comments after I did the shoot with him. Because, you know, for me, I I kind of follow the fashion world, but not really. And, you know, it's no surprise to anybody that that the fashion fashionistas, the people who are really in charge, are the ones that are perpetrating all this bullshit in the first place. Yeah. Whether they do it intentionally or whether they do it because of their aesthetic Uh, minds, their aesthetic feelings, I don't know. But I will say this, that Karl Lagerfeld is an amazing person. Uh, The only thing I thought of when I saw him was what an incredible person he is. Mm -hmm. He really has such... um, When I met him for the first time, he was so welcoming and so sweet to me. And I really didn't expect it because coming from, you know, really the biggest name in fashion you would think that he would be a little bit more like um, Terry Richardson, who also photographed me, who was, yes. could care less whether I was in that room or not. Oh, really? He was... Uh, he was Carl Lagerfeld was so welcoming and so caring and so... He opened the house of Chanel for me and made me feel like it was my home. Wow. And 
Terry Richardson, when I did a, a photo campaign for him, for a, a Korean um, billboard or something, I don't know, some ad, I don't even know, I never saw it. But he really, you know, with everyone, he's very um, hands-off. And so I never talked to him, only his assistants. And the only thing I ever said to him was that I had to leave at five so I could be on a plane back to Paris. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all leaving at five. That's what he said. <laughs> but never once did I feel as at home in that shoot as I did in, in Lagerfeld's world. So I think that really says a lot about him as a, a person. And I'm not even going to say as a man because I think he's an alien. <laughs> <laughs> all right, then one one last question. Um So we have, as I told you before, so many young burlesque girls listening to us and we need an advice from the burlesque mama with 20 years of career on her back. <laughs> yes. Give those not self-confidence girl an advice from the wise burlesque mama. <laughs> well, I will say this about burlesque is that what I see when I see a lot of excited people coming to it from many different backgrounds is that I see people who are so um, enamored with the idea of creating their own work and also trying to make money and to also make a name for themselves. So it's hard for them to separate um, the fame involved with it and the possible idea of fame in this generation. Everybody wants to be famous, right? And you mm. kind of can be uh, with YouTube and all of these different... Um, mediums to get you out there into the world but I will say it's very important to uh, practice your craft and one of the most luxurious things that the people of my generation of burlesque got was a lot of audiences that didn't give a shit Yeah. <laughs> so there were people cheering for us always, of course, but there were always those people, you know, that were just out for a night on the town and didn't know what they were getting themselves into. Mm -hmm. And so for us, it was a wonderful way to experiment. And I think that that's a lot that's missing in the world of burlesque right now are venues that are open to experimentation and not labeling yourself as a classic burlesque performer mm. or a comedy burlesque performer or whatever the label you feel suits you. I think in order to be able to do anything, to go onto that stage and just discover who you are is a very powerful thing as a performer. And I think uh, many of our most famous comedians and actors and dancers have been able to have that experimentation time before they got famous true true so it's very important for young performers who haven't had a lot of stage time to have that time to develop themselves yes. and not be too tied into who they are as a marketing person as a market like not be so important that you have to market yourself so perfectly at first yeah mm, right I think it's great to just be able to be you for a while, whatever that is. Might not even be the you you end up being. Mm -hmm. True. And then another question that we ask quite often, and we really love to hear the different versions of it from the legends and from the people that we interview. What is burlesque for you in three little words? Burlesque for me is all about freedom of creation. Beautiful. Yeah, Freedom of beautiful. sexuality. 
True, true. And um, uh, we're gonna have Fanny Annie later in the episode. Do you have a question for her? Do you have a message that you want to send her? Uh, is there a message from Dirty Martini to Fanny Annie? Well, I think it's interesting that you're going to have big Fanny Annie on because she is a woman who, in burlesque, used her size as a promotional tool. And it's something that, you know, you wouldn't necessarily see today um, because it's it, it's so much more narrow, the ideas of what beauty is than it, than it was before, you know? I mean, before I'm sure people had their ideas of glamour and beauty and what it was, what was in and what was out. But I feel like today it's a little bit more judgmental than it used to be before. So for me, I feel like it's important to not use my size as a promotional tool and right. to just let that sort of ride. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. And let everybody make their opinions about it. So that's why I don't normally do a lot of um, promotion of myself as like a self-acceptance queen or, you know, or any of this because I feel like it's very important for me to just be a good performer exactly. and to let people make up their opinion about that. I have the message of absolute love. She has been such an amazing mentor in our community. And she is, um, I'm so happy that the new people who come to Burlesque have Big Fanny Annie to ask questions of, to learn from, and to uh, enjoy because she's just a wonderful person. Oh, we can't we'll, wait to discover we'll, that. We'll pass it on to her, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> All right, so this interview ends here. Thank you so, so much. We wish we had more time, but unfortunately, the episodes are so limited in time. We need to say <laughs> goodbye to you, and we send you back to bed to your sexy <laughs> dreams. <laughs> Big kisses, and I hope to see you in Germany real soon. Oh, are you coming to Germany? I hope so. Oh, I really, do. I've never been I... to Berlin, and I'm dying to go. Oh, yes, like, please, 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 please. Top 10 list of places <laughs> I need to go. <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, we had one of our we had one of our listeners uh, that just commented our post today and, and she said dirty martini how cool she's amazing will she also perform in berlin pretty please so you have fans here <laughs> you have waiting to for come you. now <laughs> well you know my scotty the blue bunny is there exactly, and, oh, Chica exactly. Bamboo, and some of the people i love most in the world live in berlin so like, i need to be there. like your little lada and, and we keep <laughs> We keep pulling them to Berlin until you come, okay? <laughs> so, dear listeners, now we're leaving the the uh, world of burlesque and go deeper into our radio uh, show today. Mm -hmm. So we're entering the world of sex now. <laughs> oh, and I like it, of course. That's, that's my thing. So what do, who do we have in the studio today? Well, we have a very special lady in the studio. We have a whole lot of women here. She is so tall. She's beautiful. She has big boobs. You can't believe it. And you can't see her, unfortunately. But we can we have here in the studio with us Jessa who is an escort and she will tell you a lot about her job and um, I think you're gonna be surprised 
Yes, and just her body presence. It's so amazing. Oh, God, if you could see her. So my first reaction when she entered the door, I just wanted to be hugged and squashed by her. And my nipples got so hard by this glamazon that entered the door. I just love Jessa. I'm going to pay thousands of euros for you. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Burlesque on Air. To come to serious things, please tell us your story and how did you start in the magical world of being girl escort <laughs> hi <laughs> i'm glad to be here um i started i think six or seven years ago um first of all i'm also a burlesque performer but then i kind of found myself broke <laughs> and i just browsed the internet and i just thought hey well um i think escort is kind of glamorous uh, i was skinny back then so i wasn't a big girl i was a tall girl <laughs> Um, yeah, and that's how I started. And I didn't get a lot of customers as a skinny person, but then I gained some weight and I got some boobs and I got some ass and that's how it all started. How amazing that we all think that, you know, the fancy escort should be tall with fake boobs and blonde and, and it's not the case. Like men yeah. love the variety, but why do you, why do they prefer to hide this variety with like hidden relationship that they have with escorts instead of just say, screaming it to the world? I love big tall girls. Why don't they do it in their real life? Did you explore that topic? Um, yeah, well, I mean, I, I don't ask my clients, obviously, because that's, you know, that would be rude. But I do believe that it's, you know, it's like beauty standards, you know, like I'm not a like a beauty standard. I'm someone that's that's outside of the beauty standard, you know, um, and most men, you know, they they would like to have someone that's that has a status. So with me by their side, you know, that would be, that wouldn't be, I mean, like they would be looked at, you know, and I think that that's something that a lot of men are not comfortable with. Wow, it's amazing how like standards really make so many people unhappy. Not the one, not only the ones who don't meet the standards, but also the ones who who like people who don't meet the standards. You know how yeah. twisted is that? And then you ask yourself, so where do those standards come from? Yeah, true. I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, I've never fit in the beauty standard because I was always, you know, I was modeling when I was younger and I was really, really skinny and I didn't like myself then that much. And I when I gained weight first, I didn't like that. But now I actually I love my body more than I ever have. You know, I'm really confident with my body and I love it. I mean, of course, I have days when I don't feel beautiful, just like we all do. We're girls, but... <laughs> I think, you know, like, I, I don't really know how it is to to fit in the beauty standards, so. So you weren't happier when you were skinny? <laughs> Absolutely not, no. So it, it, actually, in the end, if it if you don't, if you're not happier either way, then you can just as well be happy both ways, right? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, just learn to love your body, learn to love yourself, because that's really what it's about, you know? So you managed to learn how to love your body that is so different as, as the standards, as we just said. Maybe you can give an advice to our listeners. How can they reach the goal as well? What do you think is the secret? I don't know. Like, I don't know if there's a secret, you know, like really what you have to do is to get to know yourself, not just your body, but yourself and kind of be okay with it. Because there, I mean, there are some things that you can change, of course, you know, if you're really unhappy with them. But really the gist of it is you you have to live with yourself that's you like for the rest of your life so you might as well enjoy it yeah 
And coming back to sex, <laughs> how did your sexuality change with the changements of your body, going from the skinny model to the big glamazon? Ah, uh, well, I mean, I was really young when I was skinny. Um, I think my sex sexuality changed. Be I don't. I don't really know if it changed. You know, because of my body, maybe because of my age. But I love sex. I always love sex. I'm a sexaholic. Like, yeah, girl, yeah. give me five. Me too. <laughs> but the listeners already know about me. At least I'm not alone in the world. No, you're not. Don't judge me anymore, listeners. You see, it's normal. <laughs> yeah, sex is great. Like a big dick. <laughs> oh God! Hallelujah! So it's a lot of and Jessa have just become the best friends, <laughs> loving big dicks, having a lot of sex, both of them. So wow. Okay, but let's let's stay here in the studio for now. <laughs> yeah, and because um, the, the topic is big girls and not big dicks. So. <laughs> oh, okay. How do we always for go there? there? So <laughs> our roads lead to big dicks. <laughs> always. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but tell us a bit uh, about your job. So, um, what? Tell me about uh, something about your experiences there. Maybe especially regarding to your size. What do? How do men react? How, do they book you because of your size? Because they want a tall woman? Um, yeah, let us know. Yeah, um, I can start with my first booking. Uh, uh, there was this guy, and he was a he was a um, pilot. And I was really nervous because it was, I mean, I do escort and dominatrix work uh, just as well. And I was really, really scared. You know, that was my first booking. I didn't know what to do. Uh, and he told me he's a foot worshiper. I don't have very big feet for my height. So he liked my tiny feet and he just wanted to lick them. And he wanted me to, you know, leave on my clothes and just so that I could sit on his face. And then I was supposed to tell him when to come. And he liked my height. And most men nowadays, they really just book me because I'm tall, you know, and I'm like kind of heavy, you know, and they uh, they like me to lay on them or sit on them, sit on their faces, all of that stuff. Yeah, it's it's specifically because of my height. <laughs> okay, so for our listeners, for our big girls listeners that uh, don't know exactly how to deal with their sexuality and this body that maybe they're not accept so much, give us some like funny poses, some funny tricks, some funny things to do when you're a good big girl and you want to just destroy sexually a man. Oh, <laughs> like like your secret trick. <laughs> My secret trick. Well, I mean, work-wise, uh, when I want to destroy a man sexually, all I really have to do is sit on his face. Yeah. Then, like, I have a big ass. <laughs> right. Like what I do too is like I <laughs> I put my boobs in his face and I just kind of wiggle them because they're really big. So it's kind of like slap in the face with boobs. <laughs> so that's that's always good. I mean, if you're if you like submissive men, that's good. Personally, I'm more of a sub, you know, privately, but that's not what men book me for. <laughs> yeah, right. We talked about it in the previous episode how much usually um, people who are dominant in their uh, life, they're yeah. actually submissive in the sex life or the opposite, yeah. how much we are different in bed because we want exactly, you know, someone to dominate us for once. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> so it's the same thing. So what do you think those men like? Like, do, you, do they want to be overwhelmed by your 
by by your body when you when you slap them with them with your boobs for example you know kind of or like yeah like they they get all they're all in in there under under your body is does it make them feel like they're protected they're overwhelmed they're what is it yeah i think i think that that's why men book me you know like um for my height and my body they they feel like i I, I don't know, I'm like a little bit motherly to them, you know, and I smush them and that's, you know, they feel, um, they feel like I'm superior and I think that's why they, they want me because they can't, like, if I sit on a guy's face and that guy is a, a short guy, then there is no way of getting out unless I want him to. Mm. And I think that's why they like me. Well, that's exciting. So coming back to a little bit maybe a more delicate topic, did you ever face rejection from a client that didn't realize that you were so tall and when they saw you in real, they really said, you are not what I want. How did you deal with that? Yes, I did. And that, you know, surprisingly, because usually, I mean, I don't really care. I mean, unless, you know, it was like a lot of money, but that didn't feel so great. Like I thought it was, it was going to be fine because I mean, it's not like I'm into them anyway, mm. but it's still, it still kind of stung. It's still a rejection. Right? It's a rejection. Mm. Rejection yeah. is never fun. Yeah. yeah. And they sent me home and like, just gave me my cap fare. And I, f I felt pretty shitty for like about an hour, but then... You know, then I kind of brush that off my shoulder. I shoulders. guess an hour is okay. Yeah, an hour is fine. <laughs> Were you able to tell him something smart and mean just to make him feel like little piece of shit or you were just like so confused that you just left no i could i couldn't i mean like it was through the agency and yeah i didn't you know i didn't yeah. want to put a bad reputation on them so i just said well i'm, I'm sorry i'm not what i what you wanted so Mm. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then in the end, it's it's probably better if you have somebody who really who's really into you, um, instead of someone who just uh, yeah spends time with you because he paid for it, but isn't really that's not not a lot of fun, I guess. No, that's true. Mm. Still, the money would have been nice. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and the rejection hurts. I know. Yeah. So tell us some stories. We want to hear stories, of course. <laughs> okay. Well, I have I have two two stories. Um, one story is um, I had this client and he booked me for four hours and he was he was uh, for the whole time he was wearing a horse mask <laughs> and <laughs> and a butt plug oh. with like a horse with, with a ponytail you know, with a ponytail <laughs> yeah it was it was pink um, <laughs> pink oh, so it was my little pony sort of yeah a unicorn he made he made me feed him uh, apples and carrots for like four hours and I had to ride him and he made horse sounds and I had to stay completely serious and that was really really hard you know for four hours but he was so happy in the end and he hugged me and he was a really sweet guy once I got to see his face um <laughs> Oh, you didn't see the face in the beginning. No. He was already a horse when you met. Yep. Did you meet him outside on the no, on the no. fields? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was waiting in the hotel room. I got a car. Already and, dressed yeah. as a pony. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, he was on all fours. I got in and hmm. yeah, then I kind of just had to sit on him and feed him his, you know, carrots and apples that he put on a table. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. What's the other story? The other story is with a guy who booked me for 24 hours and he made me wear a really, really big black strap-on dildo 
and we did some drugs and we had some lots of drinks and while I had to fuck him with that set strap on he told me that story about this big black guy who used to fuck him in America like a football player <laughs> and how big and black he was <laughs> for 18 hours or something and like really like repeatedly the same story and I just you know there was no amount of drugs or money that could make me stay longer he really wanted me to but i couldn't i was really done (laughs) good that it was a dildo and you didn't have to be like there wasn't a real black guy who had to do the job he wouldn't have been able to (laughs) no 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 one can stay hard for that long (laughs) oh wow So to find a little bit of a conclusion to the interview, I guess that, um, again, coming to our female listeners that don't feel self-confident and stuff, I guess that uh, if you have a big body, uh, as you said, like in your private life, you're very submissive. So I guess you can decide to play with it, either being a very dominant and big domina, you know, and uh, or decide to be the mama. So use this like motherly, you know. So I guess there are different ways of being sexual with that sort of uh, body. Absolutely. And I mean, I'm I'm more submissive. So I mean, like, it doesn't really matter. You know, what I what I realized is that the men that I like um, now that I have that body, they like me more. You know, when I was skinny, I always thought that men like skinny women. But um, Really, most men are more into the curvaceous kind of girl, you know? I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm very curvy and I'm tall. I mean, the tall thing sometimes is hard, but most men that I like, like me now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And what is the most beautiful compliment you've received? Do you remember one in particular? No. No. I mean... The most beautiful compliment to me is usually not about my height or my body mm-hmm. because that's something I always hear. It's, mm-hmm. you know, like the, the first thing I hear when a guy comes and talks to me and that's when I usually walk away is, wow, you're tall. Oh, and no, really? Yeah, it's like, How oh, did you notice? Yeah, I noticed. Thank you for telling me. But I can tell you one thing. Recently, a guy, and he's like as tall as me, he was able to pick me up <laughs> And, you know, he could carry me through his apartment. That was something that made me swoon. I died. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we know all your secrets now at the end of this interview. Thank you so much for giving us your vision of this world, a vision of your body, a vision of uh, the escort. And I think we should have an episode about this and explore this world a little bit more. Yeah, why not? I'm all in. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Jessa. She's the girl who likes to be picked up. <laughs> That's right. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Sex. And we said goodbye to Jasmine, who told us her sexy adventures. And this is obviously, as all of you listeners know, my favorite part of Burlesque on Air, which is the naughty talks with the legends. And this month, we have a legend that I'm extremely excited to have in the show. I'm just going to introduce her with three lines. The world's biggest showgirl. 450 pounds of sizzling sex, the big mama of burlesque. Oh yes, that's her, Big Fatty Eddie. Welcome to Burlesque on Air. Well, thank you. 
and thank you for calling Berlin. <laughs> so you just said that you are in Las Vegas, next to your swimming pool with your hot husband. Life is beautiful. Well, for me it is, yes. I got a hot husband in the swimming pool. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it takes, right? <laughs> yes. So tell us a little bit of your story. How did you get? How did you got to get a hot husband and a swimming pool? Oh, yeah. Well, if you live in Vegas, you got to have one. <laughs> I don't think anybody wanted to buy a house if it didn't have a pool. <laughs> so what about a husband? How did you get him? Oh, I got him a long time ago. He was a Chippendale dancer. I know. And, and so we met, and it turned out really nice. <sighs> and we've been together ever since. Oh, I love looking at your pictures on Facebook. You look so in love and happy. I love it. Well, thank you very much. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so this episode is a special episode about big girls. We interviewed Dirty Martini. We interviewed um, um, a sexy big girl here in Berlin. And now we're interviewing you. And we want to know about this, uh, the fact that you made a gimmick out of it. How did it, how did all this happen? How did you start your burlesque career? And in which moment did you decide, you know what? I'm a big girl and I'm going to make that my strength. Well, when I was very young, I was working in the carnivals and circuses, oh, oh, and, nice. and I got to see some of the big greats that were doing shows in tents then. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm talking 50s and 60s, so right, yeah. Yeah. I saw a girl show, so I thought, oh, this was wonderful. You know, like Sally Ran and all that, you know, they had little shows in tents and went out to all the state fairs. So I got to meet her, and I watched her perform, and then actually, um, sometimes they would hire you to be in their show, but not really in their show. They would hire us to stand out there in the background when they had these tents, so you could see there was bodies, but you couldn't see anything, and people would buy tickets thinking, oh, there's probably 50 girls in there, but really it was just Sally Rand, or it was another... <laughs> another lady it was just kind of a little gimmick uh, and then I decided oh, I would like to do this and I went to a club <laughs> and they couldn't believe it and I got AP and UPI press immediately and that's how I got started Whoa. And, and back in that day the drinking age was 18 so I was underage at the time <laughs> because I was tall and big so no one questioned anything you know at 18 years old <laughs> wow. so have you always been like so self-confident you say I can do this snap and you just snapped it or how no I just did it because I mean you know I just worked into it and did it and enjoyed it and got good at it and you know, it was it was wonderful for me. <laughs> How amazing that you just made out of something that people could criticize, made your biggest gimmick and your strength in your career. Yes. Well, it turned out. It turned out. But I also had a full career in, in television and movies, not just burlesque. But I did burlesque for 38 years. Amazing, amazing. Mm -hmm. And tell us a little bit, we love to know uh, the stories of the crazy fans that wanted to give you everything. Can you tell us a little bit of this? Well, things? there was a lot of those. Now, a lot of the girls didn't understand my popularity. But see, when I started, 
I was the first, the original. I mean, I was the first person to ever be obese and dance. Oh. Well, I had all those fatty chases come out, and they'd stand in line for hours wait to see me. And, and, and the other girls, they didn't even look at them. So they didn't, they didn't like me much because the, the men liked me, and they didn't like the other girls because they only liked the chubby girls, you know. <laughs> but in, in, in my day, if you were five pounds overweight, they wouldn't, they, they'd say, you can't work here. Hmm. So when I came along, I opened the door for all girls, all body shapes, because they realized if she's making so much money, and I was the highest paid girl that ever worked in Canada. What? Well done. Oh, my yeah. God. Those, those, those mm -hmm. times are gone. <laughs> no money in burlesque anymore. <laughs> yes, but it was hard work. It was six days a week. Mm -hmm. Two shows a night, forty-five minutes to an hour, mm -hmm. and um, it was a complete show with comedy and beautiful costumes and and uh, a lot of places. They said, "Oh, when you want to come back, you just call." So I worked a lot of the same clubs over and over and over. And they wanted because they, more. Because they did good with me, yes. And they wanted mm -hmm. more and more and, and more. And they wanted more and more and more. <laughs> and they still do. <laughs> yes. Now, Canada was completely nude. But yeah. in the States, we didn't really have to do that. Mm -hmm. Or we couldn't. Some places, <laughs> we couldn't even show our nipples. But in Canada, it was fully wide open. Oh, well, wow. you, you showed your nipples a lot. You were just taking your boobs out while telling jokes. That's right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Does that make the jokes funnier? <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you um, about your acts and your beautiful costumes. Obviously, the most famous act that you created was Cleopatra, right? Yes, yeah, that was a, that was a, that was Cleopatra. Yeah, yeah, that's what you uh -huh. said. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I like that costume. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so when did you create that act? Uh, well, first it was in Miami, and then I made another one, and and because someone stole it, so I made another one later. So there was two different ones, but yes. <laughs> They stole that was in it? Miami for a, a club date that I did, and, they, and I had slaves and everything fanning me. I mean, it was very elaborate production. <laughs> awesome. Oh, my God. Um, and I wanted to ask you a little bit, how did you meet your husband? How did you seduce him? I mean, I can't get over him. You're, you're oh, the hottest well, couple on earth. That story is a long story, but I'll make it brief. <laughs> that my friend, who was my also my agent, brought my husband with him to meet me. And uh, when he came in, he wasn't that interested. He thought I was a bit naughty. Because oh. I, gra I grabbed all the boys' cocks, you know. I'll have to check them out. So anyway, so by, by, by the end of the night, I had him eating out of my hand. And, and um, we... I said, well, you can screw me tonight, but you got to leave in the morning, honey. I got a photo shoot, but he never left, and he's been here ever since. Oh, my God. 
I love I love the two of you. I, is he is he younger? Much younger than you? He's a oh, toy yes. boy. He's 12 years he's 12 years younger. Well done. Oh god, I want to be But big you know what? Well, he has the same waist and the same body he had when I met him. <laughs> and you too, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and he's he's Italian. <gasps> oh, bonjour. So I like that. You know, I like a nice ring of baloney. <laughs> Oh God, I, I, I wish I could be a little fly to get into your bedroom at night and see your adventures, your sex oh, adventures. Oh my God, it's just like everybody else, you know. <laughs> I don't know about that. I'm sure you have your little secrets. Oh well, <laughs> I, don't I don't kiss and tell on that department. Of course not. That's why we, why we want to be flies on the wall. Yeah, but, but, <laughs> do, you, but do you suck? Uh -huh, but I have a tendency of... I don't like flies. I always grab oh. the flies water. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't kiss and tell, but do you maybe suck and tell? Yes, darling. Oh, yeah. so well, you I don't want to share all my secrets. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. I'll calm down and I won't ask anymore. So let's go back to serious things. Tell me, so did you have a break from burlesque or did you continue performing your whole life? And how did you get I, into the I burlesque did. hall of... I, I, I performed my whole life, but I did take time off to do movies and television. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. what about uh, uh, the burlesque hall of fame? How did that happen the first time? Did they call you? Did you discover about the event? Well, I knew Dixie from Miami. Dixie Evans? Yes. And we were friends, so she said, come on out. So I came out there when it was out, at the, out in California, you know, and there was only like 15 girls, all of them legends, and I just loved it because it was like a reunion, and we all visited, and God, I hadn't seen you in 30 years, I hadn't seen you in 20 years, and it was quite enjoyable. Then Dixie said, well, we got to do something to get the young girls to come. So then they made the, the other portion of it, but, you know, i miss dixie it was sad but you know the burlesque hall of fame we'll see it we'll see if it lasts i don't know if it's gonna last we'll see yeah but it's it's wonderful right to have uh, all the new generation uh, worshiping you and loving you so much and to be on well, that well, I, think, i think that's beautiful but i think that you know they don't understand we didn't do what they do we did Our, our burlesque was completely different than it is today. In which way? You know, Tell we, us. We did, we did sexy burlesque. We, did, uh, we made love to the audience when we took off our clothes. And we sold time, so we did it very slowly. Yes. You know. And when the men were male strippers, you know, they took it all off and showed everything, you know. So it was different. Uh, today it's not really burlesque. It's kind of neo. They call it neo, but I don't know what it is really. But it's not the art of taking off your clothes. Yeah. They've lost that. Unfortunately, you know. but that's why we love to go to the Burlesque Hall of Fame and watch yeah. you legends doing it the proper way. It's so amazing. So, so amazing to look at you on that stage. Yes. With your, usually, with your big um, um, uh, boas. So you, yes. you're making this huge, amazing boas called Star Boa, right? Right, Star Boa. Uh -huh. Yes, and people can purchase them on starboa.com? Starboa.com. Uh -huh. In all colors? and uh, Any color, any, any, any color or combination of colors. And any size, right? But we like the big. Any size you want, we'll make it. <laughs> 
But I, uh, what is really beautiful is that uh, the community really stick together uh, for you when you I had... believe they do to a certain extent, you know. I mean... But you know, to me, you know, I don't like the I don't like the way they classified anybody who was a dancer a legend. Yeah. To me, a legend is like Tempest Storm or myself, somebody who was always a feature, that you were always the headliner. Those yes. are legends to me, not the girls who worked in a nightclub, but maybe they only sold, you know, there's a couple girls here, that I won't mention their names, but, you know, they really weren't legends. I mean, they really didn't even, you know, some of them were cocktail waitresses, and one girl, she used to run the spotlight, but yet now she acts like she's a legend. That really chaps my ass, you know? Oh, my God. This is really naughty talks with a legend. You're being naughty. <laughs> oh, yes, dear. <laughs> but, I mean, talking about, I mean, the... Uh, the younger community that really stand on your side when you had a bit of uh, uh, health problems and raised. Uh, yes, yes. Well, you can't help but love everyone for that, can you? Yeah, right? I think it's, it's such like a beautiful gesture to be supported by the younger generations of performers. And Yes, it's wonderful. And we are but, you know, uh, you know, in our time, we pay dues to the extreme uh, variety artists and stage, and then somebody ended up taking all the money, so most of the old girls have no social security because we were always paid in cash, and that somebody took all the money and left us. Like, there are a lot of girls who got nothing coming in because they, did, they, they never really paid into it. Exactly, but we are there for you now. We're gonna stand on your side always. <laughs> well, thank you. That's sweet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, do you have a big Germany uh, burlesque festival? Yes, it was just. Oh, you do. Yeah, it was last week the Berlin Burlesque Festival. Oh, nice. Not as big as the Burlesque Hall of Fame, but still it's very nice. There's a very nice uh, big community here. And uh, we have our yeah. radio show about burlesque. Every month we interview the legends. In this episode, we interviewed Dirty Martini, who is saying a big hello to you. And um, yeah. yeah. And I just wanted to ask you like one last question. Has uh, at any point of your life, because that's the topic of the episode a little bit. So has at any point of your life, uh, uh, the shape of your body, has it ever been a problem or you've always really lived it with self self, self No, I never had a problem. You know, now that I'm old, I have problems, but I never, I worked no matter if I was 650, because mm -hmm. the biggest I was was 650 pounds. Whoa. But I still, but I still danced. Wow. You know. But you got to remember, I didn't get out there and just dance for an hour. I got out, danced one little song, and then I would talk, and then I'd dance another little song, and then I would tell jokes, you know, dirty jokes. <laughs> and then I would end my show with a song to stretch it out. But I was just too big. I'd be sweating, and they'd have to get uh. a, people would have to get lifeboats. It'd be so much sweat. I mean, my dear. So sometimes them, them, some of them clubs and stuff, it's so hot and you're working in the summer. It was very hot. So I didn't, I never really exerted myself too much, you know. Mm -hmm. So tell I them. I always wanted to look fresh and, you know, professional. And you did because I love all of your pictures. You're hilarious with the big smile and, and the big hair. Amazing. So tell us just for our listeners, your best naughty joke. Well, let's. I'll tell you when it's not real dirty. 
Oh, come okay. on. <laughs> okay, what, this is German radio. You can say, say anything. The coconut tree? What? What? What did the hurricane say to the coconut tree? What? Hold on to your nuts, big boy. This ain't going to be no ordinary blowjob. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> With this naughty joke, we're almost going to end our interview. We have one last question well, for you. Well, thank you for calling me. I'm glad. I hope, I hope that uh, people in Germany hear this and look me up. Oh, yes, they will. And then we have something that we ask all the legends just to sum it up for you. What is burlesque in three words, in three little words? What What is that for you? It's sexy. It's uh, exotic. And it's um, professionalism. I think that most of the girls in my day were very professional. Yes. That's exactly as, as well what another legend told us about being like very serious and professional and rehearsing and like having an ethic of the of the job and not just taking it so easily and uh, like if it was just a joke. Right. No, no, I took it very seriously and I sold a lot of merchandise. I, I let I let men they could take a Polaroid picture for ten dollars with me and I let them hold my tit. Ooh, what is what is? Oh, I sold T-shirts. I had record albums. So when I came to them clubs, I could make more in sales than I got as a salary. <laughs> wow! What is what is what is the like the funniest merchandise thing that you were selling? Um, I'd sell my panties if they had enough money. You Ooh. did for how much? Oh, thousand dollars. What? <laughs> Are you serious? Serious. Oh my God, I love you so much. I want to be you when I grow up. Can I? Sure, why not? <laughs> All right, so we're going to say goodbye to our listeners. Okay, well, thank you so much for calling me all the way from Germany. Yes. And I'm laying here and in the hot sun, and I'm going to go take a dip with my husband in a few moments. Oh my God, can you kiss him from me? I will. Oh. I, 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 I'll even kiss him in the naughty place, okay? <gasps> Oh my God, I'm sweating now. <laughs> okay. Honey. All right. And for all Sorry to make you what, honey? <laughs> Have a good day, girls. You, you too. too. Bye. Bye. Thank you. And for all information about Big Fanny Annie, you can check her website, bigfannyannie.com. Sex. Big Fanny Annie, wow, what a woman, what an interview. How exciting was that to hear her and to listen to her stories and her her great voice. I actually loved her voice. <laughs> so, dear listeners, so what are we taking out of this? Actually, I think we have the feeling that it ca came across as if it's really not such a big deal after all. You know, there's plus sizes, there's minus sizes, there's whatever, there's everything on this world. Maybe it's, it just doesn't doesn't really count. Size doesn't count in this case. <laughs> I know Lada is going to be a bit disappointed. Watch in my presence. So. <laughs> so actually in the end, it's just about use what you got to your advantage. Try to be happy with yourself. Just be yourself. I guess this is what you can take out of all this. Mm -hmm. 
Yes, and in every single case, you're always going to find someone who is going to love you, who is going to worship you, who is going to look at you like a goddess. And if you look the opposite, you're not going to be happier. So just be happy with what you got. <laughs> <laughs> and if it's big and if it's a lot, even better. <laughs> and so if you enjoyed our guest today, remember to check Dirty Martini's website www.missdirtymartini.com and Big Penny Annie's website www.bigpennyannie.com. So that's it for today. Remember to check our SoundCloud. Remember to check our YouTube channel. Remember to listen to us every first Wednesday of the month. And Lily Tiger is making big gestures because she has a big announcement to make. Yeah, big announcement for something else that's big. And there for the Berlin audience, here's a nice little tip for next month there's gonna be a new comedy burlesque review in berlin it's called the big tickle and it's gonna be funny and it's gonna be big and of course burlesque it's on in october 16th at the ballhaus berlin so please don't miss this show so the conclusion of the ep of this episode is be big Yeah, and that was it for today with Burlesque on Air. The next episode is going to be aired on the 28th of October. And responsible for the show is me, Suzanne. And then we have an announcement to make for the next episode. Lily, what is the topic of the next episode? Oh, uh, of course. This is where we always tell you listeners what's going to happen in the next episode. And sometimes it's going to be there and sometimes it's never going to appear. So I'll just let you know that next time, the next episode is going to be so exciting. We're going to explore sex life on Venus. We're going to fly into space and we're going to interview the aliens. So please stay tuned for this one this is going to be very special exactly and while lily tiger is on a mission to the moon and to venus i am taking the first plane to africa to explore the amazing sex life of polyamorous zebras <laughs> what about you suzanne uh i think i just suzanne is gonna try heterosexual sex <laughs> 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 on planet Earth, maybe? Yeah, maybe that's a, a good point to start. <laughs> I don't know if the aliens are even, if they have this hetero homo, I don't know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, dear listeners, we never keep our promises and we are very proud of it. <laughs> so, see you next month with big surprises. Never expected surprises. Bye! 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 Bye.